Good morning, everybody. We're going to do a little special announcement here for that was the Global Leadership Summit. That is actually a little taster from last year. That's the type of uh, folks that actually show up and help train us in leadership. But the point is, is you guys all have influence. We all have influence. What I'm going to walk you through right now is if you look inside your handout, how many of you got handouts? I think most of you did. Inside there's these two blue cards. They look like this. They look like this. All right, I'm going to walk you through. It's going to take about a minute and a half, probably two minutes. <laughs> We're going to walk through this. This is called an influence finder. And all you're going to do, I'm going to read these off on the list. You're going to take a pen and you're going to check off which ones you answer yes to. It's that simple. All right? You guys ready? You need, anyone need pens? Who needs a pen? Nobody needs pens. You're all prepared. Okay, very good. You ready? Here we go. Right. Who said wait? All right, we need a couple pens. We have pens over here. All right. This is a really easy exercise. The whole point is to recognize that we all have influence. Therefore, we are all leading in some way or shape in our lives. There are different areas. There's a familial area, your family, your friends. There's societal. There's your work, your occupational influence. Uh, there's church influence. Someone needs a pen over there. All right. Are we all ready? Okay, here we go. Do you have children or grandchildren? Answer that. All right. Do you spend time with friends regularly? Do you manage your own business? Do you manage people or, proje or projects at your job? Does your job require you to interact with vendors, customers, or clients? Do you have children involved in sports, arts, or clubs? Are you a member of any city groups or associations, PTA example? Do you volunteer in your city? Do you blog or post on social media often? Are you in a small group at church? Do you volunteer at church? Okay, it's really easy, 10 questions. Count the ones that you checked off and put that total at the bottom there. That's gonna tell you kind of an idea of where your influence is. You know, some of you might have smaller numbers than others. Many of you might have a whole bunch of these checked off. The fact of the matter is, is our lives cross over into many other lives. That's the way we've been designed. And the Global Leadership Summit is a way of training ourselves. It's two days of top-notch leadership content where we can come together. South, South Valley Community Church in this building is a premier host site. So on August 10th and 11th, that's a Thursday and a Friday, all day long on both those days, you will have the opportunity to be trained in this, this way of influence. There are, trained, there are people who train in this that are secular. There are people who train in this that are Christian. But you're getting the best training that's available around the world. All right? If you put your name and your email address on this and bring it out to the GLS table, the Global Leadership Summit table out there, and give it to me, you're going to be entered into a, a giveaway for one free registration. Or actually, probably give away two for our congregation. Two free registrations for the event. What you need to know is that our congregation gets a great rate. Normal people, just normal people. You guys aren't normal people. Just know that. But regular Joes and Janes outside of our building have to pay, at this point, $199. As of this week, it jumps to $209 for these two days. You pay, as a congregation member, as someone who calls this place family, you pay $89. But that $89 is going to jump $30 on July 11th. So now's the time. Out there as well is this card. It shows you how to register, gives you the specific instructions on how to get that discount. I'd love for you guys to sign up as soon as possible. Take advantage now. All right? So we all square. Drop those cards off with me. You'll be entered in that drawing. We love you. We want to train you. We want to build you up in 
to bless this city, okay? And without further ado, also as an elder, a member of the elder board, I wanted to make sure you guys know this is actually a Vision Sunday. <coughs> so we want to, uh, the elder board wants you to know that there is a budget that you're going to, Isaac's going to be going through. He's going to be taking you through some vision today. So will you welcome him in a very special way, better than you usually do, Mr. Isaac Serrano. Hey, I just signaled over to, to Mike, and I, I, t I try to tell Jackson Daly really quick, uh, g give Hollister Campus a call. I'm going to be late getting over there. Um, we got a lot to, a lot to cover, and I'm going to try to, it's going to be like a machine gun for two reasons. Um, one, we're going to go over uh, our, how we did versus last year's budget. Our fiscal year doesn't go from January to December. It's, it ends and begins in the middle of the year, so we're approaching the very end. So this is where we report on how we did with our budget from the previous year, as well as present next year's fiscal year 2018's budget. And we need congregational approval, membership approval in order to make that happen. That's why all of the handouts have a ballot in them in which you put your name, address, and you vote yes or no on that. Um, so what, what I'm going to do, and I'm going to attempt to do really quickly, and again, it's going to be machine gun style, is report on the budget, then go into sort of some, some highlights of the previous year about our major accomplishments to show this is what the money, this is what the time that this church puts in goes to. And then what we're going to do in like 10 minutes is at least we, we got to address today's text in our first John series so we stay on track with small group curriculum, etc. We used to have um, these budget kind of meetings after services and invited people back like at 1 o'clock, sometimes like at 1230. But it, you get to try to convince people to skip lunch and to look at slides with numbers just wasn't very effective. Um, and truth be told, we get more people in here uh, to see it. And we want to be accountable. We want to be transparent and, and have all that good stuff. So um, for those of you who don't like that type of thing, I'm going to simplify it as much as possible. And if you want further information, a more detailed kind of layout, in the back, we have some packets with a the, with the bigger kind of explanation and detail of everything that's going on in the budget. I'm going to do a big kind of high level view. And if you have any further questions, you can look at the packet or you can email uh, our business manager, Dean Snyder, at dean at svccchurch.com. Okay, let the fun begin. Okay, it's about to begin once this works, but it's not working. Um, can you just go to the next slide? And Jackson, can you bring this over to someone in the back? Everyone's watching. You got to catch it. Don't drop it. Good job. Good job. Okay. And then the next slide. Okay. While that's getting fixed, I'm going to draw your attention to the next slide. Going to draw your attention to the next slide. <laughs> next slide. <laughs> oh, it's already so fun. Um, okay. So... Uh, this is a chart, and I'm going to make it make as, as much sense in, as possible and keep it simple. So, um, in the left-hand column on the far left, you see the word operations, and then underneath it, 
two line items, income and, and expense. If you move to left to right on that top line, starting from operations, you'll see it say FYE 2017 budget. That's the fiscal year ending 2017 budget. To the right of that is fiscal year ending 2017 preliminary. That word preliminary represents our actuals. So one is what we budgeted for last year, and then one is what actually happened. And as you move across that from left to right, you're gonna see a negative 2%. That's the variance, and then you're going to see fiscal year 2018 proposed. That's what we're going to propose for next year. So let me kind of walk us through that from left to right so we can all kind of get our heads around what happened. Okay, uh, starting in the income line for that fir first column, fiscal year 2017, you're going to see the, the number $2,343,450. That's what last year we budgeted as our income. The congregation approved it about a year ago. In fact, we had like 99%. It might have been 100% approval. There was a couple no votes, but one of them had like a, didn't have a name on it, and one, the other person was me, just to see if we're actually counting, testing the system. Um, no, no, it was very high approval. But we said we would bring in $2,343,000. What we actually brought in was $2,289,000, and you can see that's negative 2%. So we came in just under our targeted income projections. Now, the Gilroy campus actually came in above our projected income by about $10,000, but both Centro Hispano and the Hollister campus came in negative about $60,000 to $70,000. So when it's all said and done, we came in just under our income goals and target by 2%. As you move over, you're going to see fiscal year 2018 proposed. What we are pro projecting and proposing for you to approve of is that our income for fiscal year 2018 will come in at $2,430,000, and that'll be a 6% increase above the actuals. Now, um, we have every reason to believe, and we have all signs that the church is growing and doing well. Although last year we came in negative 2% about our projected income, we actually had from year to year growth. In fact, every year for the last three years, we've seen growth in giving and attendance. So that's really good news. And so we have every reason to believe um, that we can achieve 6% uh, growth in the income category. Um, one of the reasons why we feel confident we could do that has to do um, with one, kind of the growth we're seeing at all the campuses, and two, it has to relate to the second line with expenses, with the way we manage expenses. So come with me back to the left-hand side, and we'll look at expense going from left to right. Fiscal year 2017, we budgeted that we would spend, churchwide, all the campuses, $2,358,000. What we actually spent was $2,250,000, and we came in 5% under expenses. So this is why we could be a little bit more confident in our projecting of income, because all of our kind of pastors, church, man, church the managers, department heads, we spend less than we actually budget. We do a really good job at this church at coming in under our projected expenses. And it's sort of a philosophical decision that we do. Um, and, and you guys all know, kind of know how family budget works. You can, you can like pretend that you're not gonna buy this, 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 to make your budget work, but then you end up buying one of those on that list of this, 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 and this. What we try to do is budget all the things that we think we're gonna do, we wanna do, we'd like to do, and then when you do that, when it's all said and done, most of the time you don't actually spend all of those things, so we budget all of those things in, our, in a process as a part of the philosophical understanding of how we do expenses. So, 
For this year, that last fiscal year, we came in significantly under, 5% under, under that budget. Um, and you're, you're going to see in a little bit in the income loss category what that actually means. But keep walking with me left to right. So we came in under budget, negative 5% in the expense categories. And then for fiscal year 2018, what we're proposing is a 9% increase in expenses above the actuals. That's only about a 4 or 5% increase in expenses from last year's budget. But from our actuals, what we actually spent with that savings we did, it's a 9% increase. And the majority of that increase, if not all of it, comes from two things. Uh, a couple new hires and just cost of living raises. You guys know what it's like. This is the Bay Area. It's, Cal it's like California and then the Bay Area. Things are very expensive. Insurance, the Everything, everything is going up, and so most of that is because of new hires and then cost of living um, expenses and raises. Now, here's kind of the most important part. I want to draw your attention to that last bottom line underneath the dark horizontal line, income loss. So we thought at the end of fiscal year 2017 last year that we would be in the hole by about $15,000 and that our cash reserves would have to eat that $15,000. Because of our expenses being so under, even though we came in under 2% in our income category, we completely underspent, and we actually were able to contribute an additional 40,000 to cash reserves. So we're coming out in the profit loss column by $40,000. Now, again, what you need to understand, in the Bay Area, it is economically difficult as well as spiritually difficult. We are in the least church area in the country. From the bottom of Santa Clara County, if you were to make a big circle like going to San Francisco and Santa Cruz, this big circle, we are now the least churched area in the country. So for us as a church to grow in giving and attendance and I believe in discipleship and spiritual depth, this is an amazing victory. And then on top of that, to actually come out in the plus by $40,000, huge win for us, huge victory. So awesome job, everybody for consistent giving, the pastors, the staff, the managers, everyone who's managing expensive, massive victory. The last thing in the bottom right-hand corner is what we think is going to happen in fiscal year 2018. With the increased giving and the increased expenses, we're thinking when it's all said and done, we'll probably have to eat $30,000 from cash reserves. Now, again, the reason why we're confident, and this isn't a big deal, is again, our philosophy of how we manage expenses. And so there's all kinds of leverage items that we have, things that we want to do that we cannot do if giving isn't on track, etc. So that's sort of the big picture, but what's of most important to you in understanding our budget is that next year's budget looks a lot like this previous year's, except we're going to need to increase our giving by 6% because we're increasing expenses by about 9%. Now, one of the other reasons why we're, we're, uh, in, we have that kind of increase in expenses is if we have a very aggressive plan dealing with how we pay off this building. And we're being aggressive, but it's strategic, and we're doing it on purpose. And there's really good news with that. In order to tell you an update about what we're doing with our mortgage and our payment plan, I'm going to invite our business manager, Dean Snyder, to share with you for a few moments. Good morning. Does that make Thank any you sense? Uh, as many of you are aware, a little over two years ago, we took... Uh, an aggressive plan to attempt to reduce our church debt. And one of the first steps we took in that process was to sell our Hecker Pass property. 
uh, and then pay off a, a massive debt. Uh, after that sale of the property, which took place in July of 2015, we were then able to uh, reduce all of our debt to the mortgage, just the mortgage on this building. That mortgage was for $1,350,000 at a substantially reduced interest rate compared to what we were paying and for a term of 25 years. After careful consideration, your financial uh, committee for the church uh, uh, took a bold step and recommended to the elder board that we would take a more aggressive plan to pay off that mortgage and proposed a 10-year payoff plan. And their strategy was very simple. <clears throat> As you can see from this chart, the interest payments over 25 years would be a little over $900,000 on that mortgage. By adopting the 10-year plan, that mortgage commitment gets totally reduced to just under $330,000, which saves us over the term of the loan more than $570,000 in real cash savings. Can I have the next chart, please? <clears throat> the budget that we are asking you to approve today uh, also includes uh, continuing that uh, 10-year plan. We have been paying for the last two years uh, at an accelerated rate on the 10-year plan. And by doing that, we've had savings so far in interest of over $238,000 over the term of the loan. We've already achieved those savings. This budget allows us to continue that 10-year plan and will result in an additional $92,000 of real cash savings. So, or, uh, at the, so that gets us to already uh, savings of $330,000 over the term of the loan. We, uh, we appreciate your support uh, for uh, this plan, and uh, thank you for your generous giving to help allow us to do that as we look forward to the future uh, of being mortgage-free. So we uh, thank you, and God bless you uh, as we work together to uh, achieve that goal. Yeah, that's... that's way, that is really good news. Here's, here's the simple lesson. You double pay on your mortgage for two years, you save $238,000 cash. So that's what this church has done by being aggressive with paying that down. We've saved in cash off that interest $238,000. And we have a plan. We want to stick with it that this church would be debt-free, mortgage-free in 10 years, preparing us for a healthy financial future. <laughs> Briefly, uh, our missions budget, for those of you who, who are new to the church, um, what we do is we take a percentage off everything that comes in. In fact, we take 5% off every dollar that comes in and move it into 
a missions fund. Now that's not all the missions funds that we actually get because we also do special fundraising and people give to our missions fund all the time, but we at minimum are always giving a 5%. And so in this chart, you're gonna kind of see how missions funds break down. We always have a beginning balance. You'll see in the fiscal year 2017, we start off at $92,155,000. The reason why that is, is is you're always taking that 5% in there that is being moved and so you have this kind of cash reserve for missions to be able to do missions work and then that keeps refilling every single week as we put money into that account the way it breaks down is you can see the the income line in 2017 uh, our budget was $168,000. What we actually put into that box was $179,000. And next year into that box, we think we're going to be able to put in about $184,000. It's hard to measure again because there's a standard 5% off everything that comes in. But then in addition to that, people give money, they write checks, and that fund just builds and builds and builds. And we want to continue with every passing year to give more strictly to the area of missions. And then there's two expense items, operations, what it takes to actually get that department going. And then direct support has to do with payments that we make directly to our missions partners. We're going to talk about, I'm going to show you in pictures rather than numbers, but you'll get to see the the money that goes directly to fund all these amazing things. We we pay the salary of a guy named Dismas in Tanzania. He's a church pastor, teacher at the Bible College, missionary. There's things like that that go into that direct support category. Um, but uh, one, one, one last thing before we get to the part that I like best, the pictures and, and the, the vision stuff. Essentially, what we're asking you today is to approve of the fiscal year 2018 budget. And if you need more details on that before you can do that, for those of you who need that, there's packets in the back. You can email Dean Snyder. But essentially, what we approved of last year is pretty close to what we're doing this year. We're we're expecting an increase of about 6% in giving and then that 9% in expenses. Um, And if we continue the momentum, we continue what we're doing, we're confident we can reach that. And so after we get done with this presentation, um, you can fill out your ballot put your name, your address. We check to make sure you're a member. If you're not sure if you're a member, go ahead and fill it out. Um, It's not going to hurt anything like that. But that is essentially the core of the budget. Now, I'm going to go really fast because I want to show you there. And and let me preface it. I'm going to miss things because I'm not just saying this to hype anything. This church, this last year has done so much incredible work here locally and around the world. I'm going to miss stuff out. You probably did stuff that you're going to be sad that I don't talk about. There's no way we can talk about it all. These are just little highlights of things that this body of believers, this family, through their time, their sweat, their service, their money is doing. I'm going to start off with global mission, then go to local mission, and then I want to talk about kind of like in-house family ministries type, type things. So I'm starting off with my favorite picture of the presentation. This is the orphanage that we support in Haiti. Um, It's called the New Life for the Children. And we pretty much fund this entire operation. There's a couple other people who are involved, but this is a big project so much that they named the orphanage um, the Don Scow. He was the campus pastor of the Hollister campus. The Don Scow New Life for the Children Orphanage. Um, and every week, money gets sent to take care of these orphans. Um, Haiti was super trendy a while ago because there was the big earthquake and everyone wanted to give money to it. But what happens is when the trends fades, the kids are still there. They don't, still don't have moms and dads and all the money disappears. By the way, a lot of that money was pledged in all these other organizations to go for Haiti and to take care of the problems. None of it got there. 
There's just so much corruption at so many levels. We take trips here all the time. We know these kids are being taken care of. It's a part of our mission. They ha- this is a, a picture of, of a part of the buildings. The reason why I show this is because they had a, uh, a massive drainage problem that was actually threatening the property. But because we have cash reserves in our missions, when there's a, there's a crisis like this, we're able to send money and take care of the needs immediately. There was another issue where uh, a skin infection broke out. And there was, they, they sent us pictures of the kids' faces and bodies, their skins. There was legions and open wounds. We were able to pay for and buy medicine and get it over there and get that all cleared up right away because we have designated missions funds available to take care of these things when they, they arise. This is hard to see, but you can see it. It says, new life for the children. It says, thank you, SVCC people and pastors. That's awesome. Look at those kids, man. There's like, I say this every year at the orphanage. I'm going to say it about a number of things. There are things that we do um, that if this is all that, that happened from all the work that's done, for me, it's, it's, it would be absolutely worth it. It's like th- this was the end of the presentation. This is all we did, church family. Are you kidding me? That's close to 30 precious babies who lost their moms and dads who now have people to say, I love you, tuck them in, pray for them when they go to bed, tell them that they're valuable and precious in God's sight. If, if all we did was that, that would be worth it. There's an ancient Jewish rabbinical saying that says to save a life is to save a universe. And the idea behind it is that every single human being is of infinite value because they are made in the image of God. They are precious and loved. This is a picture of the back of Sam Whitaker's head. Um, he's a mission pastor. I mean, you could look at it from different angles and, and, and study it for many reasons. No, this is uh, Nigeria. That We do a, a major pastor's conference in Nigeria every single year. It's the largest pastor's conference in the region. This year it was attended by over 1,200 pastors. We were able to give away 27 motorcycles and 40 sound systems to pastors in the area. Um, that's all because of the, the money that this church has given. 27 motorcycles, 40 sound systems in order to, for them to do church services, village outreach, little kind of revival services, etc. all of that. It's a picture of the hospital that's, that's there at Wassum. These seven women graduated from our women's empowerment program. These women are deaf and mute. And in Nigeria and in many countries around the world, if you are born with this type of disability, there's a very strong chance you'll be taken advantage of, there's a very strong chance you'll be sexually abused, a very strong chance you'll be trafficked for sex trafficking because you're at the bottom of the economic structure. So what we do is we, we, we want to save people that are, in the, that, that are in the world of sex trafficking, but we also want to prevent it before it happens. And so the number one way to prevent it from happening is give these women a way to make money and become financially independent so they're not out on the streets begging where they can be taken advantage of. And so we have a women's empowerment program where we do a kind of like mini sewing college, teach these women to sew, give them a trade, and then when we graduate, we buy them a sewing machine. And this is uh, the seven women, women who graduated this year and next year. It's been kind of relaunched and, and put some more energy and resources into it, so we hope to have even more. There's a well that was dug that gives clean water to the college, the hospital, the church, etc. Picture of the 27. That's some of the motorcycles. There's more than that. Oh, man, Cuba almost got passed. Look at that, Cuba. There you go. This is Cuba. I think you could see Eric and Carol, Greg, in there. We uh, started three years ago a pastor's conference in Cuba, and things have been really taking off. This is a picture of Pastor uh, Alexi's church, I believe. I don't think this is Omar's. I think they're in Alexi's church right here, but this is his church and sort of leadership team. 
These are the, the two pastor couples that we work um, with most, Pastor Alexis, his wife, Pastor Omar, and his wife, Xenia. Uh, one of the, the coolest things that I like about this is, um, again, Cuba, it's communist. They're, they're, it, they're not taking care of elderly women, especially if you have a husband who died, you don't have family to support you. If you're an elderly woman, you face starvation, and I mean that literally, not like you're not getting a, a you just have to skip out on lunch. You, you face true malnutrition and starvation. And so Pastor Alexis, through the funds from this church, is able to start a program where they deliver food to elderly women who would normally not be getting the type of food, again, because of this church being generous and saying people matter to God. This in Cuba is one of the kind of uh, school camps that they do for the youth. Switching over to Tanzania. I've been here. I love this place. This is our partner uh, Hope of the Nations in Tanzania. This is their primary school. It's almost completely done. Someone's banging at the door because they want more of the budget numbers to be shown. They don't like the pictures. They want the numbers. Let's get back to the Excel charts. We want to pay off the loan in a five-year plan. This 10-year plan's too long. I'm too old to wait 10 years. Yeah. Primary school, all those kids are there. They're, they're getting educated. By the way, the, this, this private Christian education that's being given to people for next to nothing ranks number one in academics in the region. So the brightest and smartest kids are not only being trained academically, but they're hearing the gospel and they're hearing that they're loved by their creator. Sam teaching in the Bible college. That's actually Dismas next to him. He's the pastor that we support directly. Um, he translates for the Bible college. He's a pastor. He's an, an incredible person. Uh, I Love, love, love that guy, and I got to spend a lot of time with him and, and, and miss him tremendously. Um, they also we were able to dig a well, and what, what's really cool about that is it's, it's a deep well, so it's giving tons of clean water, not only to the Bible college, the elementary school, but it's giving clean water to the surrounding villages. And so these are women who are getting access to free, clean drinking water. Uh, and you can see, the, the picture tells the story, how ha ha happy they are. And they're getting that water in the name of Jesus. Also, we need to mention, it's, is it, it's Burrito Sunday too. Burrito Sunday directly funds the once a year Mexicali short-term missions trip. And Burrito Sunday is the, the greatest evangelistic tool we have in our disposal. I mean, this is next level technology. Um, and so a quick note on that. This is the trip. If you're interested in a short-term missions trip, uh, this is the one that's the most youth and family friendly. So you can dive right into that. This year, I want to also mention that we're going to start supporting um, international justice mission with the areas of human trafficking and slavery and also giving money to uh, the cause of the persecuted church. Uh, there's a verse, there's several verses in the Bible that um, talk about visiting people in prison, and we absolutely believe uh, that prison ministries are good. Christians should be going to prisons and telling criminals and, and people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when the Bible talks about visiting people in prison, for the most part, it's talking about Christians who have been falsely tried, accused, and penalized for spreading the gospel. The work of prison ministry in the Bible was about helping Christians who are being persecuted simply for their faith. And so we want to start giving financially to the issue of the persecuted church and human trafficking. Local mission stuff. 
Uh, we're going to continue to support two of our life pregnancy centers and form choices in Gilroy and the Hollister Pregnancy Care Center in Hollister. We also uh, partner with the Gilroy Compassion Center with the issue of homelessness. One of the awesome things that this church does is every other week and uh, monthly and through two different routes, we participate in feeding the homeless types of programs. There's Project Project Homeless Bag Lunch, which takes place every other week where a bunch of us get together, um, pack bag lunches and give, give, give them to the homeless in partnership with the Compassion Center as well as feeding monthly uh, at uh, the Lord's Table with St. Joseph's. Every time it clicks once, it goes twice. It's really bizarre. If you're noticing, it's not just you spazzing out with things flashing on the screen. Um, Foster the Bay, it's incredible work. We started this last year and Foster the Bay, we didn't start this organization, but we were one of the first five churches to jump onto this project. And Foster the Bay's mission is simple. It's this. If every single church would produce one foster family, we would eradicate the need of the foster system in the Bay Area. There are more churches in the Bay Area than there are foster kids. So if every single church produced one foster family, every single kid who doesn't have a, a, a home to go home to, where there's a nice bed and a mom and dad to say, I love you, you're valuable, you're precious, all of those things. The church has the ability to do that. And so we are one of the first churches to jump on and super excited to say that we didn't uh, produce one. I could have done a cheesy, uh, if you're an NBA fan, you know, not what. If you're an NBA fan, you're going to get this. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five championships. It was something LeBron James proclaimed that he was going to be able to do. He failed miserably. Um, <laughs> and he had to leave Miami and go to Cleveland. But I was going to say, we didn't produce one foster family. Not one, not two, not three, not four. But we have five people from this church community and body with 18 support families around them committed to this. So awesome, incredible things. Uh, we're continuing to do Celebrate Recovery. I'm hearing awesome stories with that. Um, and there's just so much stuff. There's, there's blood drives, there's grief shared, divorce care, single parenting classes and resources, Financial Peace University. We do Family Service Day, Compassion Sunday. Uh, this is a picture of our bridge uh, Christmas store where, where we basically have a way for parents to still give their kids Christmas presents. Uh, oftentimes charities, they, they have a system where you take your kids and you let them pick out a gift, but then the kid knows that the gift didn't come from mom and dad, and we want mom and dad to have the dignity, the, the pleasure and joy of they themselves giving the gifts to their children on Christmas. We don't wanna replace mom and dad. It's a horrible thing when you try to replace mom and dad. And so what we do is we create this store and it's free and you sign up for it and mom and dad pick out Christmas presents and then they're able to give them to their children on Christmas. This year, uh, incredible, we were able to double the amount of children and families we were able to take care of. So 200 kids uh, with their family were able to get Christmas presents because of this program. Again, because of what you guys brought in for this, for this store around Christmas time. All right. I told you it's a machine gun. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Machine, da, 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 machine gun. Uh, church family stuff. This has to do with what is going on directly sort of inside of the church family. But here's the misleading thing. That is 
filled with a missional component as well. It's not like there's mission overseas and local, these outreach taking place. Everything we do is to expand God's kingdom. Everything has that. So people will often get their first experience with Christianity either on a Sunday morning or through one of these kind of side family programs that we have that are mostly to train up and disciple, but people are coming and checking things out all the time. So a couple cool highlights is uh, this, year's, this, is this year's Easter service. Um, huge, huge turnout. We had tons of services, and we had over just over 2,000 people to attend our Easter services. Uh, in addition to that, that number has grown for the past three years, every single year, and our attendance at the Gilroy campus and churchwide has grown three years in a row. And that's just numerically, but what I'm really confident and excited about, or not confident, but excited about, is that it's not just superficial like filling pews. Um, we're growing spiritually in maturity in discipleship, and that's the type of growth we want to see both horizontally and vertically. We're growing deeper in the gospel, and we're growing in numbers. As the picture of Sam and Greg embracing on Easter, they went in to go for a hug after the baptisms were done. We captured, no, actually they're baptizing Christina, but you can't see her. This is Sam's wife. She's almost, she's camouflaged. She just looks like Greg and Sam getting cozy or something. Man. It's kind of, kind of a weird picture. Uh, inside, again, these are just, I, I know I'm missing things, but I, because I want you to see all the things that the money and time that's going into this church is producing. We have programs of Propel, Single Life, Married Life, Stevens Ministry, Small Groups, Men's and Women's Ministry, Mops. We have Theology Labs, our Discipleship Track, Essentials Engage, Explore, Prayer Ministry, Meals Ministry, Children and Youth, just what children and youth do. There's camps, vacation Bible school, weekly and monthly events, Road to Resurrection, Branch, Upward Sports, Kids Club, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Our youth and children are always doing something. Like that et cetera, et cetera, et cetera isn't rhetorical. They're always, always doing something. There's constant stuff going on. And then there's teams that make all this stuff happen, and this is just a sample of the teams. There's an usher team, a greeter team, security, finance committee, local missions, short-term mission teams, the elder board, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all of this kind of machine gun stuff is to show you this. We are not slowing down. We want to go faster. We want to see God's movement happen in our community even more. We want to see 2018 be an even better year than 2017. And because of you, this church family, your time, your blood, your sweat, your tears, your money, there is tons of stuff taking place in our community. Oftentimes, it's easy to forget it. I don't even, like, until I start compiling it, I don't have no idea all that stuff we're doing. It's incredible. You guys are amazing. I am so proud. I'm not just saying that because like I'm a pastor at the church. I am so proud to be a part of this community, so proud to see people who love Christ enough to sacrifice their time and their money to get things done. So I'm encouraged. I'm excited. We are so blessed. It's an incredible community. And um, on behalf of pastors, staff, and each other, just thank you, and let's, let's keep it going. So what I'm going to ask you to do is in a, in, a, in a moment, if you're ready to, to vote and approve this year's budget, each kind of s section of the room can pass it to the center when you're done, and the ushers are going to come pick them up. Um, the bottom line is this. We have a 6% increase in projected income that we need to meet and a 9% projected expense line item, and ultimately, um, we're confident that we could have it, but it is an increase. And it, and, and it is something we need to be able to meet. I encourage you, if, 
Uh, if, you're, if you're not given, if you're not supporting this church with time or money or well, whatever it may be, um, get, get in line with that. One of the difficult things for churches financially is the summer months because families go on vacation, they leave, and people, people like to think, oh, we're going to be gone for a few months. We'll catch up on giving later or we'll give the next time we're there. And the, the, the stats are just absolutely clear. Like everyone disappears and a lot of people disappear in the summer and churches face like three months of, of bad finance. So I encourage you to stick with your, your giving. Be faithful during the summer months. Um, the best thing you could do to protect against that is sign up for online giving. Um, make a password up. I've said this before, but it's this, the secret. You make a password up that you, that you cannot log in and change. So it's like, I'm going to secure myself for monthly giving. I'm going to put a password. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. If you, if you go to take your money off of giving for God's kingdom and put that password in right before you do it, you ain't going to, yeah, I'll do it next time. So uh, please, please uh, make sure all of that stuff is, is in line. So if you have any more questions, you can contact Dean Snyder, dean at svccchurch.com. If you want a more detailed analysis of the budget, they'll be available in the back. Um, but what I want to do briefly in, in the last five minutes is um, read the verse uh, for the text for the day to stay on track with small groups, etc. But then most importantly, I want to tie it all into what we're talking about. Um, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now in the world today. For John there's this issue of truth, and truth matters. And he tells Christians, look, you've got you've to test the spirits. In other words, test the teaching. What are you listening to? There's a lot of, lot of stuff out there that just is, disguises itself as Christianity, disguises itself as wisdom. And John is saying it's not just simple. Just because someone's on stage, just because someone's talking, doesn't mean what they're saying is true. You have to check it against the Bible. And that's true of anything. That's true of me. This church holds me accountable. The elder board holds me, holds me and all the other teachers accountable. If something's out of line, you bring it to them. You talk about it. You discuss things. Don't, don't. One of my biggest beef with kind of America, and I think it's supported by the, I'm like, I only got five minutes. I'm going to side tangent. One of my biggest beef with kind of the educational kind of philosophy that's, that's been shifting in our country is even when we don't say it, we're slowly teaching people to say that if an authority figure says it, if they're on stage or they're a teacher or they're a professor, that means it's true. We're, we're teaching people what to believe rather than how to think. Um, that, yeah, I'm going to go on a sidetrack, but that is a massive problem. And John says, you've got to think about things, examine things critically. He goes on, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John establishes this truth test, and prior to this in his letter, he also gives us some other test. And this is all I kind of want to get at is, 
In the book of 1 John, there is this triangular testing taking place. Christians are supposed to test things through these three lenses to see if something is from God. Today's text was talking about truth, but in other places in 1 John, it talked about ethics and love. And this is the way it works. If you want to test a teacher, a religion, a system, you, you put it through this, this triangular testing. Is it true? Is it in accordance with the Bible? Is this biblically backed? Is it in harmony with the teaching of Scripture? And then, what, does, what are the ethics that are produced? How do people behave because of the teaching? Because you could think right things and still be a jerk, right? It's common in Christian circles. Thinking the right things but still being a jerk. What is the behavior that's produced because of these teachings? And then lastly, John in the book of 1 John would say, you have to put it through this love lens. Is it true? Is it producing good behavior? And is it coming in the spirit of love? And you need to have all three things in line in order to say, this is from God. When you're missing one of these things, it fails the test. So you can be very loving or have the appearance of love, but John would say, if you don't believe the right Jesus, you're still an heir. And you can have good theology and good doctrine and not have love or kind behavior. And John would say, there's something wrong. This, and this is why I wanted to end with this. This isn't just applying to like false teachers and cults. This applies to us. This applies to what we're doing. I talked to you about our budget, what we've done and what we want to do. We have to be constantly examining ourselves. Is this church and the body, the church family that's here, are we committed to the truth? Are we committed to becoming more like Christ? Does our behavior with every day look more like Jesus? And lastly, are we doing it in, in, in the spirit of love? This we know love because Christ laid us down for us while we were still enemies. And so we have to ask ourselves these questions consistently. How are we doing personally? What is the state of this church? Are we doing this? And when we get off track, we don't come in a spirit of judgmentalism, but we come and say, hey, something's not right. Let's talk about this. Let's get back on track. So I want to encourage everybody that at least from my end, I am, I am incredibly encouraged with, with the work that's taken place last year. I hope you are. Um, Jesus says, in John 16, 33, the, the night before he's crucified, on, on like the cross's eve, he says, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's this crazy, profound statement. The day before you go to the cross, Jesus pronounces his victory over evil. The day when evil would look most kind of powerful, most clear and, and present, that's when Jesus says, I've done it, I've conquered, I've overcome the world. And because of that, John is then able to tell believers, you take courage and take heart because you too can be an overcomer of the world. But your overcoming of the world is intrinsically bound up and linked with Christ's overcoming by the cross. That night before the cross, it looked like evil was in control, but God's sovereign hand was working. And I don't know about you, but when I look at the world and all the brokenness, the evil, the hurt, the pain, it can often appear like evil is in control, like there's just nothing but chaos. 
What the cross teaches us is that even in in the most difficult moments, even in the darkest of nights, the sovereign hand of God is moving. And what we want to do in this church for 2018 is even though the world may be in chaos, even though there there may be evil advancing on this end and this end, we want to make sure that God's kingdom advances on earth as it is in heaven in the areas that God has called us to. In order to do that, this church, we're going to need to be, to be more committed to prayer than ever, more committed to serving than ever, more committed to giving than ever. This stuff matters. Every single human being matters. Foster children matter. Orphans matter. The homeless matter. You matter. And we need to take that seriously and respond to the mission that we think God has given this church family. In this world, you will have trouble, tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Um, I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Um, do the ushers, co- have you collected anything yet? No. Go, go ahead and you guys can go down the aisles. Hopefully those things are passed to the center and you can cast your vote um, and approve the budget. And we're just going to spend this time uh, celebrating what God has done in this church, in this community. And I pray that you would use this time to worship him and ask him to show you whatever your next steps might be for this next, even though it's not the new kind of calendar year. It is a, it's a turning of the page for us as a church. And so let me pray. Father God, uh, thank you for this time. I thank you for what you've done through, through this church family. I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of this church, and I hope everyone here feels that they're, they're blessed to be a part of this family as well. Um, we do pray that this, this next 12 months would be the best 12 months this church has had, that more people would come to saving knowledge of you, that more people would be baptized, more people would grow in their commitment to you. And I pray that you just um, come alongside of us and that we would be able to always, always, always give you all the glory. You are at work using broken, fallen vessels like us. We give you praise. We are thankful. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.